I just want to say that each week, when whether it's me or Matt or Dave that are up here speaking and bringing God's word, that we don't do so lightly. We hold our responsibility with the word of God humbly because we know that it's the word of God that brings life. Amen. It's the word of God that's going to change the atmosphere of our city. It's the word of God that will change our families. It's the word of God that changes us as we understand the truth, we apply the truth. The Bible says that we are set free because of the truth. And so this morning, my heart is full. God's been depositing things into my spirit all week long. Um, I know our elder team got together earlier this week, and we got to go to Substance Church and be a part of a, a regional gathering of pastors and churches. And we were filled up this, this earlier this week, and our ladies just got back last night, five of them from the original women's conference in Rockford, and I know that they're fired up, and I know that God's been moving in each of your lives, and as you've been in your, in your own devotional life and stuff, and so I'm excited about what God's going to do this morning. So I invite you to take your Bibles and open them to John chapter 14. I want to pray as we kick off our Holy Spirit sermon series. It's going to be a powerful four weeks as we get reacquainted with one of the members of the Godhead that seems to be forgotten, and that's the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just thank you right now for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word is filled with promises. And one of those promises is that you'd be with us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to receive right now what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me, your servant, to bring your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that he descends like a dove. He baptizes with fire. He guides and corrects. He is the spirit of life, truth, and the voice of God. When you're alone, lost, and afraid, the Bible says that he is your comforter. He is one who comforts. Over and over again, the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit. He is mentioned 800 times in scripture. In fact, the Spirit of God is mentioned right away in the second verse of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. That verse reads, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. But look at this, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And the word that is translated as spirit there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, is the Hebrew word ruach. It, ruach means breath. But it's not just a normal breath. It's this violent exhalation. It's a blast of breath. It is the life and it's the power of God. I love this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed. He breathed into his nost nostrils the breath of life, the ruach of God, the spirit of God, and the man became a living creature. It's this ruach, the, the breath of God that brings life to all creation. The breath of God. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word is translated as pneuma. It is similar to the Hebrew word ruach, as it also means a wind. 
current of air, a blast of breath. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would actually descend upon people. And then it says that it would often leave them. We see this with Saul. The Spirit of God descended upon Saul. And then after a while, he would leave him. We see this in the life of David as he cried out in Psalm um, 51, verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, we see the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus at his baptism. It said the heavens parted and the Spirit descended upon Jesus. And a voice from heaven came and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We see throughout the rest of the New Testament that the Holy Spirit empowers the people of God with spiritual gifts and with spirit, supernatural life. When the girls came home from the conference last night, Shallon had dropped off Lisa and we were talking. I said, give me, give me one takeaway. And, and Shallon said, I just loved it when the speaker um, talked about this. And, and she went on to describe that, that God is the super. And we are the natural. And when the two come together, it equals the supernatural. That's the ruach. That's the spirit of God. That's the pneuma. That's the violent exhalation that gives life to all creation. The supernatural. How many want to see the supernatural in our land today? We need the supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit in our world today. So there in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, we read about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the focus of the message this morning, and I would love for you to take out a piece of paper and a pen and take notes this morning. Our focus in the, today's message is on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't know about you, but whenever the Holy Spirit <clears throat> or Holy Ghost, as my church back home where I grew up meant refer to him, any time that he was mentioned as the Holy Ghost, and how many know that there was always an accent with that? You know, it's like you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, whenever it was mentioned that way or he was referred to that way, it made me a little bit nervous. How many others felt that same way? You know, it's just a little bit of fear, a little bit of nervousness that, you know, just kind of a little bit, you know. It's because I didn't understand him. I understood God the Father because I had a father. I understood Jesus the Son because I am a son. But I didn't understand the Holy Spirit, especially when he was referred to as the Holy Ghost. The only thing I knew about ghosts was Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> See, I, I knew Jesus. I had seen pictures of Jesus. We had a picture of Jesus hanging in, in, in one of our rooms in our home. I even had that small wallet size picture of Jesus, you know, that mass-produced one, uh, that oil painting from the 1940s of the head of Jesus, you know, that I was given in Sunday school and I carried it around with me. I'm like, I have Jesus with me, you know. You know, you can still buy that on christianbooks.com, <laughs> even now. So I knew about the Father. I knew about Jesus' Son, but the Holy Spirit, that whole ghost and spirit thing was just foreign to me. 
I didn't know what that was all about. It didn't help either that, it, that I was introduced to this concept of the Holy Spirit around the time that the Exorcist, you know, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street were all coming out in the theaters. Then there was this church near where one of my cousins grew up. It was this crazy, what I call charismaniac church. And it was really different. And they followed this total misinterpretation of Scripture. They were hyper-focused on, on the Holy Spirit. And they focused heavily on external appearances of holiness. Their members weren't allowed to watch TV, let alone own one. And they couldn't go to the movies. They weren't allowed to play cards. There was no opportunity for, for the youth to get together for any type of mixed swimming. That was prohibited. The women wore long dresses and they didn't cut their hair or wear any makeup. They weren't allowed to wear any jewelry except for their wedding ring and maybe a wristwatch. Men's hair couldn't cover the tops of their ears or touch their shirt collars. I knew a girl in, in middle school who would get up in the morning. She was a member of this church. And she would walk down to her friend's house, and in her duffel bag or her backpack, she had an extra set of clothes and makeup. And she would take off her dress, and she would put on some cooler clothes and her, and how she described it, and wear makeup, and then she would take it all off and then go back home in her dress. It was just weird to me. That was my concept of the Holy Spirit. These people were called holy rollers. They would beat tambourines, they would dance and shake and speak in weird languages when in their words they were under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Again, it was just so confusing. Experiences like this, abuse and misuse of the Holy Spirit have caused a pendulum swing in other churches from an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit to an extreme underemphasis of the Holy Spirit, to where the Spirit of God has been forgotten in our churches. It's kind of like we now treat him like the weird cousin Eddie in the Christmas vacation movie. We know that he's a part of the family, but we just can't relate to him. My goal over the next several Sundays is to share with you a balanced biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit and the role that he plays in a believer's life. So we're going to begin here in John chapter 14, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus regarding the Holy Spirit. And my prayer over the next several weeks is that we would grow in our understanding, that we would have a more intimate um, understanding of the presence and power of God through his Holy Spirit. So John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Prior to his ascension, he had appeared to his disciples for 40 days, and he had promised that he was going to send another helper. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. Not for a little while, but forever. And verse 17 tells us that this helper is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. It then states that the world cannot receive him, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him, which is kind of like where I was growing up. I was skeptical. I didn't know him. I couldn't see him. 
Therefore, it took me a while to receive him. But Jesus said to his disciples, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. What's interesting to me, and when I read this passage of scripture, is that he's referred to as a him. A lot of times in the, in the church, we refer to him as an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third member of the Godhead. He is very literally God in spirit form. He has emotions just like all of us. We can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. The word helper in verse 16 comes from the Greek word parakletos. It's the, the compound word that is made up of two Greek words, para, meaning to come alongside of, and kletos or kaleo, which is the Greek word that means called. So the Holy Spirit as a helper is one who is called alongside of. He's called to come alongside of us. He comes alongside of us as an intercessor, as a counselor, the Bible says, as an advocate, a comforter, and a convictor. As an intercessor, he prays for us. He intercedes for us on our behalf. As a counselor, he provides us with good counsel and, and wisdom and guides us in the direction that we should go. How many know that we need the Holy Spirit? We need the counselor. He's our advocate. He's our defense attorney who pleads our case before God, before the court of God, God our judge. When the accuser comes and he begins to accuse us, the Holy Spirit rises up and he pleads our case. He is our comforter. He's one who gives strength, comforter with strength. The Holy Spirit is our convictor. He convicts us of our sin. It's that prompting that you feel when you're about to do something wrong and you feel that sense that it's not an audible word, it's not this tangible feeling, but, it's, but yet it's almost like that where you just know that you're not supposed to do it. Don't do that. It's wrong. He's our convictor. He is God in spirit form who's called alongside of you. He dwells inside of you and he's your friend. The Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. That's what he was telling his disciples. I have to go away, but there's another one who will come. The Holy Spirit inside of you will be better than me with you. And just think of the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus and prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They were disillusioned, discouraged, and disheartened. And that's why Jesus said to them in John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled because their hearts were troubled. However, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter, the one who denied Christ after saying he wouldn't, but he went on to do it three times when that little servant girl came up to him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? No. I mean, I saw you with him. No. I'm I'm sure that was you. No. That same Peter, that same disillusioned, discouraged, and disheartened Peter, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, stands up amongst the assembly and says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
goes on to proclaim the prophecies of Joel, and he calls them to repentance, and it says that the, there were 3,000 people who gave their lives to Christ that day, and because of the Spirit of God released within the people of God, there were people being added to the church daily. And friends, that's my prayer in our nation, that we would see not what we see on our TV screens, reports of this tragedy or that tragedy or that happening, but we would see reports of the Spirit of God falling in our, um, falling in our cities, being released in our streets, and people being added to the church daily. The heart, let not your hearts be troubled. The Holy Spirit inside of you is better than me beside you. The Holy Spirit, he gives spiritual gifts. He gives the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom, the gift of speaking in, in a heavenly prayer language. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual fruit. When the world is going crazy like it is right now, we can, we can distribute. We can, because it's been distributed to us, we can put forth the fruits of the Spirit. We can show them forth in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Why? Why aren't you falling apart? Can't you see what's happening? Why aren't you disheartened and disillusioned like the rest of the country? It's because of the Spirit of God in me. It's because of the fruits of the Spirit. The things that saddens me the most is that when you look today at Christians around the world, what you so often see are believers in Jesus that don't live or act any differently than the rest of the world. They're still bound in prison to the same sins as unbelievers. You see Christians whose prayer life is flat or non-existent. You see followers of Jesus who are fearful and filled with worry and anxiety. They believe in Jesus, yet they have no real power. Why? Is it that so many people today are living a spiritless life instead of a spirit-filled life? I think there's, there's many reasons, but let me give you just two if you're taking notes. The first one is this. Some people aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. They would say, I've heard of the Holy Spirit, I just not really know that much about him. Maybe you could relate to how I began the message this morning. You say, I've heard about him. I know that about the Godhead. I know that the Trinity is made up of three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I understand God the Father and God the Son, but I just don't, I'm just not really aware of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through three is really an interesting story that relates to that thought. Luke in Acts 19 verses one through three says this, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. These were believers in Jesus. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Obviously, these people weren't there on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. Reading on in Acts chapter 19, verse 3, Paul asked them, And to what then 
were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. They had heard about Jesus. They knew John the Baptist, but they didn't know, they weren't aware of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know anything about him. And there may be some of you here this morning who feel that same way. I know God the Son. I know God the Father, but I don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like when Lisa would, she loves to get, especially this time of year, she loves to go get manicures and pedicures. And now I've got a daughter, so if it's like two, <laughs> and it gets expensive really quick. I see mama's in here with teenage daughters shaking their head. And Lisa would say, Lance, you should come along with me. It would be a great afternoon date. And I would say, are you kidding me? What guy gets a pedicure? <laughs> We've got three brothers in the, in the house. And she would say, you don't know what you're missing. It's awesome. We could do this together. We could sit next to each other and stuff. And I'm like, no. No, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Wasn't aware of the process. Lisa says, hey, a couple years ago, before a Florida beach vacation, she said, guess what? I'm going to get a pedicure. I'm like, good for you. And she said, you're coming with. We went over the Nini Nails over on Odana. Walked in. Nini great greeted us. The, Lisa and Alyssa knew what to do. She, they put in their number and stuff in the system, pulled up their little appointment. She was talking to them and her accent. and, and Le These guys are pros. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just along for the ride. They said, what color? The girls left. The girls were over in the corner picking out a color. I'm like, I'm not going over there. Not putting any color on these toes. <laughs> they picked out their colors. We, they led us back to the back. We sat up in the massage chair. Now this is getting pretty cool. Push the button. Feeling it. Lisa reaches over and says, you'll like this. I'm like, yeah, I like that. Took off my socks and shoes, put them in the little bath. Looked, I'm like, oh man, I haven't trimmed my toenails for a while. Oh, I'm glad I'm hiding them under the bath. Then they come over and sit down, and the lady pulls my foot up out of the bath. And she's like, you come here often? <laughs> I'm like, obviously no. <laughs> and she turns, and they're whispering and in their language, and it was... It was the one time that I was glad that I did not know the language that they spoke or what they were saying. Then she said, you want me to cut them longer? <laughs> Beautiful nails for color. I'm like, no. They scoured and scrubbed and applied lotion and gel. And at the end, it just felt so good. And I remember getting up the little booties that they gave you, or the little, what do they call them, flip-flop thingies, the foam ones, and just looking down and thinking, man, are those my feet? <laughs> she had been telling me for a long time, you'll, you'll enjoy this experience. 
There was a whole nother world inside of Nene Nails that I'd never had experienced before. I know that's kind of humorous, but that's the same way it is when it comes to the things of God. There's a whole nother world that we haven't even tapped into or explored. Man. If we could just explore it. If we could just get past our intellectual, you know, up here and get it into here to get it deep inside of us. I feel like I've been beating the drum. I feel like we've all been beating the drum. Ephesians 1 and 2, man. You're saints. You were in darkness, but you're children of light. Walk in the light. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead residing in you. You are sealed in the Holy Spirit. Nobody can take away your salvation. If we could just tap into the Holy Spirit, which leads me to the second point. Why do people not understand? They're not aware. And second, they just simply resist the Holy Spirit. And that may be some of you. The Holy Spirit comes and he convicts and says, don't do that, it's wrong, and you ignore, and you do it anyway. Or the Holy Spirit comes and tries to be your comforter, and you stay still focused on your worry and your anxiety. He comes and tries to be your counselor, and you ignore him, and you continue down your own path. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And the Holy Spirit wants to redirect you, but you resist him. In Acts 7, verse 51, we read about Stephen as he stood before the Sanhedrin, the religious tribunal of that day, and he gave them a good chewing out before they stoned him to death. He looked at them and he said, You stubborn and hard-hearted people, you're always fighting against the Holy Spirit. And could that be some of us here this morning? We're always fighting against the Holy Spirit. Some of you may say, well, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit really prompts me or moves me or speaks to me like you're talking about. And could it be that you have fought against his prompting so long that your heart has become hardened? I've learned through a lot of failures to try hard not to resist when I feel that the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something. You've, told, uh, you've heard me say it before, it's those have-to times. It's times when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, and you have to do it. You don't really have to, but you have to, because the God's promptings are so strong in that moment. Do you know if you ignore those promptings, they'll go away, and your heart will get hardened? I want to share, we were in Minneapolis, was it Tuesday, Matt? We were in Minneapolis Tuesday at a conference. Little did we know, I don't believe that was a coincidence, and that was stated all throughout the conference, that it would be the day that the, that the verdict would come down in the George Floyd case, and we were right there in the center of the city. Isn't that just like the Spirit of God to direct God's people to come together, pastors, 
to be in that very city praying and worshiping and reaching out, calling out for God to heal our nation. It, like I said, it moved us. And I, wanna, I invited Matt, I reached out to him this week, and said, would you be willing to come up and share about an experience that you had and how it relates to this? So I'm going to have Matt come and just share about that experience and about how he was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So um, a little backdrop. My wife grew up in Waterloo, Iowa. Her dad's a high school basketball coach. His name's on the floor. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's very good. Um, he's been fortunate to coach a lot of great teams. And um, if you've been to Iowa, not real diverse, okay? Um, uh, but Waterloo's very diverse. So, like, it's diverse enough to the point that when I met Allison, the first team um, that he was coaching, they won the state title that year. They had 11 African Americans, one little white guy in the team. Okay, so a little backdrop here. So we're at this conference now, kind of fast forward to Tuesday, and Uncle Jimmy's getting ready to speak. Uncle Jimmy Rollins is someone who's a leader in the ARC. He pastors a church, Association of Related Churches. He pastors a church in um, Maryland, Baltimore, uh, inner city. Um, but God has had him speak all over uh, on the issue of racial tension. And... Um, Again, in real time, we're finding out that this verdict is coming down, and Uncle Jimmy's about to speak. So, you know, and he's about to challenge us and really, really get after us. Um, room is predominantly white. Um, there's a few African Americans in there and other races, but he's about to, to bring it. So prior to him speaking, um, I'm, I'm on a mission to go see someone I want to greet at this conference. And, you know, there's people, I don't know a lot of people there, I know a handful of people, but I'm like focused. I'm on the path towards going to see this person I want to see because preaching's about to start. I don't, I don't want to miss anything. And as I, as I go, there's this couple, and I just blow right by them. And then all of a sudden, I just like stopped. And it's like I'm choking up right now thinking about how I felt because I'm like, why am I stopping? And it's not like this couple was like watching for me and anticipating that I would just stop and talk to them. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know I was going to stop at all. Um, they're just standing right there doing their thing, getting ready for the message. And I stopped, and I, I felt like what the Lord put on my heart was to go greet them. And this is where, like, to Lance's point about how the whole God told me thing can get really kind of weird. Listen, like, if you hear an audible voice, if God puts something on your heart, if you're being obedient to the word, that's all God told me to me. Okay, so like I'm not gonna say God said go talk to them But at the same time, I feel like God said go talk to them. Does that make sense? <laughs> so So as we're teaching through this we want to break through this idea, you know, because if we're being led by the Spirit Which God calls us to be We're always trying to listen to how he would speak to us. So So I stop and I go back and I'm like hey, I just want to say hi My name is Matt and I just felt like I wanted to greet you guys and he says, oh, nice to meet you, Matt. My name is Marshawn Robinson, and you can call me Sean. And I said, um, nice to meet you, Sean, and this is my wife, Amber. And I said, oh, nice to meet you guys. And I said, where are you from? We're from Iowa. Cool, what part of Iowa? 
and I'm like resisting because I'm like, I met my wife in Iowa, so I want to start talking about me, but I'm staying on the track of talking about them, and they said, we're from Waterloo. I'm like, Waterloo, Iowa? Yeah. I said, do you know, I mean, what high school did you go to? East, East High? You did. I said, do you know Steve McGraw? Oh, I know Steve McGraw. I graduated with his daughter, the wife said. I said, you're kidding me. And I like just took a step back, you guys, because this is like, yeah, just like obedience is so weird. You know, like you're going your way, and then he puts something on you, and you obey, and then it's like really cool. And like all the implications of this, it's a whole other conversation of what it might mean. But little, little Amber, I'm talking to her, and I say little, I mean, she's this tall, that's why I'm saying little, but she's... Same age as my sister-in-law, and she graduated my sister-in-law. And, and then she was in a class with my mother-in-law, a home ec class, and she told me stories about that. And so Sean is like, um, he said, we got to talk. We got to talk. Because somebody came over, and he introduced me to another friend of his. And, and he said, this guy knows McGraw, and he married his daughter. And so he starts telling him about me, and, and then he said, but we got to get in there. Uncle Jimmy's about to preach. After the message, we all reconnected again, and we just were trading stories, and he's like, I want your number. I want your phone number. I want to know what's happening in Madison. And I said, well, area code 608. Oh, I know. I lived in Milwaukee. I know what's going on in Madison. You guys need God up there. I know that. I know that's true. And so, so he just starts talking to me. We're trading numbers, and it, like, I don't know, guys. I don't know what it'll lead to. I don't know. It might just be one little nice greeting that the Lord encouraged me with. But I'm so full of hope that it's more. I'm so full of hope that it's more um, for my family. Um, there's so many good things <laughs> um, that could come from it. But I think about our city. Like, I just think about, like, like what God might be doing in that moment. Um, and then, of course, we got, we got the news later, and um, the, the message had challenged us no matter what the news is there's still work to do and so anyway i just it's i would love to talk more about it with you and maybe in a message later more will come out but in the moment like i just feel like obedience um and be, and paying attention and being willing to change course um can open a lot of doors so i appreciate you let me share that lance so powerful we can't resist those promptings we don't know what they lead to. It's kind of like this. Lisa always, she's like, I want to be with you. She's like, always just like, I want to be with you. I'm like, Lisa, I've got, I've got, I'm a, a pastor. You're a business owner. We can't always just be together. I'm just, I'm joking. <laughs> but just imagine if she was like that, and I just kept pushing her away, right? What would happen after a while? She would go away. She would stop. And that's what happens. That's what happens when we resist those promptings. Dave, thank you for, for just kicking it off this morning and just making it so real. The Holy Spirit is alive. He's a real. He's, he's just as important third part of the Trinity as the Father and the Son. He is with us. We just have to tap into those moments and take advantage of those, those promptings like Matt did. So I say to you this morning, you might have got up this morning and thought, you know, I just go to church. That's what I do. It's Sunday. I go to church. 
or maybe this isn't your church home and you're like, I don't know, I just kind of felt like we were going to, you know, I heard about this church and I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I believe that it's a divine appointment that you're here this morning. I don't believe that anything happens by coincidence. We saw that on Tuesday. We saw this in what Matt shared. I see this on a daily basis as I pray, Lord, give me divine appointments. A guy had a heart attack inside of our cafe this last week. And Matt and Tony Tucci, another believer in the city, were sitting out. And I would, you know what, Matt, I thought about, like, what a time and what a place. There was another believer who was sitting at a table who was having a conversation with this man and noticed something that was different. He kept grabbing his heart and going in and out. She picked up her cell phone, called into the back of the cafe and said, call 911. There's a man out here having a heart attack. If that was in another place, maybe the same thing would happen. They would have called 911. He would have been taken care of. But I just had to believe at that moment there are Christians all around here. What an opportunity to intercede for the health and the safety of this man. Could have been the difference between life or death. I don't know. But I just am so thankful that I get to do what I get to do. And this isn't about just me. This isn't an us versus them. This isn't, oh, wow, that's cool how, how God works in, in Judah's life as he leads worship. Or, oh, look at those beautiful gifts that, that Jesse and his girls have. Or Alejandra up there. Or, or Lance when he preaches. Or Dave. He just always has all this wisdom to share. And, and Matt, man, it just seems like God walks with him. It's not that. It's, this is about all of you. This is all of you going out, partnering with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit? When that dove came down, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in water, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what happened? His father said, this is my son. He spoke affirmation over his son. And then he went into the wilderness, right? He needed that to go into the wilderness. And he came out of the wilderness even stronger to perform and start all the miracles that we read about in the New Testament. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit. We have to partner with Jesus the Son. We need to partner with God the Father as He leads and directs all of us to impact our community. God's super superior plus our natural equals the supernatural stand with me this morning i'm going to ask you to do something that may be different for you and not just for this sunday but sunday's going for me i invite jesse and the girls to come to lead us in worship My growth in the church really came not on Sunday mornings, but on Sunday nights. Sunday mornings was more scheduled, programmed, if you will. You know, the, I, I grew up in Rockford, big boys in Rockford. Golden Corral, old, old country buffet, they were all calling everybody's names. It's like, who's going to get there? You know, we're going to beat the Baptist and, you know, all those, those jokes. Um, so, didn't spend that much time responding to the message. We would come back on Sunday night, 
And our church is kind of like this size on Sunday night. And I remember our worship leader, he wasn't like Michael W. Smith or anything special. You're like, who's Michael W. Smith? <laughs> he would, you know, it was those songs that I kind of laugh about, make fun of today. That you can like buy the whole collection on Time Life books for like $19.99. All 50 songs. And he'd say, I feel like God wants us to, to sing it again. Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. Stuff that we would laugh about today. But man, when the Spirit of God is in it, when he's animating it, he's breathing life into it, it is just so powerful. And um, I remember looking around, seeing people raise their hands, and, and as a young person feeling like, I don't want to draw attention to myself. So I'm not going to raise my hand. Then I would see people go up and be prayed for. And I'd be like, I don't want to go up there. That's embarrassing. Everybody think that my life is messed up and I don't want them to think anything negative about me. So I'm just going to stay right here. And I remember one Sunday night, you could do this on Sunday night. Because nobody had any other plans afterwards. The pastor stopped and said, I... There's, there's someone here that, tonight that needs to be ministered to you. And I just don't have the peace to start my message. And so let's just pray. And it was awkward. How many know that silence can be awkward? You know, you just want to fill it with something. And I was sitting back there and I was just like, this is different. So I, I bowed my head and I prayed and all the youth were sitting together. And I watched as Mr. Gunther came walking up to the front and I had known that this man had had done some things prior to salvation he had lost his license and his wife had to drive him around and he went up front and it was just tears were just streaming down his cheeks I remember my pastor going over and just hugging him in that moment and him just weeping in my pastor's arms and the spirit of God just comforting him he had fallen back into some old ways but he met God that night he got his license back a few years later him and his wife had a daughter together and they're serving Jesus faithfully today and you know what that taught me always take advantage of those moments to press on press in and receive what the holy spirit has i grew in those moments god emboldened me in those moments he called me to ministry in those moments he he animated dreams in those moments he he brought our youth group together to say we let's go out and minister um we would get together on friday nights after football games and we would pray and then we would go out and minister to people in the city so I just invite you right now just to press in the Lord. And as we sing right now, I'm going to pray. And as I begin to sing, if you want to kneel right at, where you, at your chair and pray, or if you want to come up here and be prayed for or just stand in the front and pray, can we just end this morning seeking the presence of God and just saying, Holy Spirit, come fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. You don't know 
the Sean's <laughs> um, that God has for you to meet this week. Just raise your hand right now and say, Holy Spirit, come, fill me afresh. I, I invite you. I put out the welcome mat for you right now. I know you're here. I just, I just want to tap in. Lord, fill, fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Father, I just pray that you would do a work over these next four weeks, Lord, that you'd make us more aware of your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, that breathes life into us, that breath of, that breath of life, that violent exhalation of, of air, Lord, that gives life, that, bring, that animates, Lord, the things of God within us, who leads us into an exciting, adventurous life, Father, of divine appointments and coincidences, Lord brings us into the path of, of, of men, Lord, like um, Mr. Gunther, Lord, who, who needed someone to comfort him on that Sunday night. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Let's press into him as we sing. If, again, feel comfortable to come. Just come up here and pray with me around the altar. Turn. Grab the hand of someone next to you, whatever. Let's press into the Holy Spirit and, and ask him to come right now. Father, we just pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would blow. Lord, will you be like a sailboat out in the open seas, Lord, that your spirit would just blow and direct us in your paths. Direct us where you want us to go, Lord. Be the breath, breathe the life, Lord, that directs us. Lord, fill us with your spirit so that we can live a spirit-led life instead of a spirit-less life, Lord. We want to be spirit-filled, spirit-directed, spirit-empowered. To fulfill that command, Lord, that you gave to the disciples. And you said you shall receive the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. First in Jerusalem and then Judea. Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Lord, you still called us to fulfill that call. Help us to be faithful witnesses here, Lord, in our own Jerusalem. And to be led out, Lord, to our Judeas and Samarias. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would empower your church. We go forth and walk in victory this week. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Next Sunday, we're going to go deeper into the Holy Spirit. Invite a friend, bring somebody. Be back here next Sunday.